Hello friends, Sagan here. Welcome back to Indie Author Weekly, where I share my behind-the-scenes journey of writing and self-publishing books. Today's topic is a listener-submitted question by Paulina, who wants to learn about how to build a story for your book. It's been a while since I've taken a creative writing class or a writer's workshop, but the strategies that I'll share today are what I have found most useful in my own writing experience with my novels and business books. So if you want to see it in action for how I've applied it, then you can check out any of my books at saganmorrow.com books. By the way, pro tip, the first novella in my Polyamorous Passion series is currently available for free. Enjoy. Now, storytelling is, of course, a crucial element to writing fiction, but really it matters in any kind of writing. Even in my work as a freelancer, whether I've written content for companies on the topic of home care or local food or eco-friendly buses or concrete, and yes, somehow I have been commissioned to write about concrete and building materials on more than one occasion by more than one client, there always needs to be some kind of a story, some kind of an angle to it. At its core, every story needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. You need to draw the reader in at the beginning and then engage with them so as to hold their attention throughout the story. You need to give them a reason to care, and you need to ensure that your reader resonates with your story. You need an angle, an approach that connects with readers. And the interesting thing is that once you've chosen your angle, the story can flow fairly organically. Okay. So what are some of the ways that you can go about building a story for your book? I want to share how to do this both for fiction writing and for your nonfiction books. Let's start with the fiction side of things. There are really five things I do when it comes to building a story for my fiction writing. First, I have the central story idea. For example, with my upcoming release, Being Good, which is book five in the Polyamorous Passion series and will be available for you to read in just two weeks today, the central idea is that my main character, Helen, is trying to follow the rules that she and her fiancé, Ben, set for themselves about not opening up their relationship until after they get married. So the initial story idea that I started with before I'd written any words on the page was that Helen would be struggling with navigating this in the lead up to her wedding. That means that we already have a couple of characters and a complication that we can delve into, right? So that's really what the central story idea does. Second, I like to pull out possible events that can occur throughout the story. Building on the central idea of Helen's struggle before the wedding, it then makes sense to have a few pre-wedding events, like a bachelorette party, and then the wedding itself, and the honeymoon after the wedding. And since she's struggling with temptation, we need to explore ways that temptation is placed in front of her. So we see that in her wedding photographer. Helen has a crush on her wedding photographer, so it's kind of difficult to avoid him when her, when her wedding is right around the corner. And by the way, all of this information is available on the back of the book blurb. I'm not giving away any spoilers here. Third, we need to fill in those gaps between events. This can actually be a lot of fun, even if it might feel at first as though it's filler. 
In fact, I would argue that some of my best work takes place in the filler scenes. The conversations between Helen, Emma, and Scarlett, for example, might not have started out as a necessity to the core events of a particular book, but they support those events and the central idea, and they can end up turning into key aspects of your story. These filler type of scenes are good opportunities to help a character move along in their thought process or encounter a situation that then leads to the next event. Which brings us to the fourth tip. We want to arrange those events in a sequential order. My favorite way of doing this is with a chapter outline. I write 10 chapters per book and each chapter gets three bullet points of what happens. So this is where I might initially have just a few big events that take place. For example, Helen running into the photographer and then the wedding and the honeymoon. So I'll put those somewhere on a chapter outline. And then when I maneuver those around in the chapter outline, when I sort of start arranging them, I like to play with what would be most useful supporting materials around those events, leading up to them and following them. So those are the kind of filler scenes we were just talking about. For these, I also like to think about which characters I enjoy writing the most and what relationships and interactions I want to explore further. And that's where I will add those into the chapter outline until it's complete. So this is often where I'll actually figure out, you know, what is the beginning and the end of the book, right? Because usually a usually that of uh, the big events are things that happen maybe sort of in the middle, maybe towards the end, maybe a few at the beginning. Um, but once you st- once I start writing the chapter outline, that's where I really figure out what is how is this book going to start and how is it going to end? Um, and a, another, you know, bit of a sidebar here, but a good way to navigate this um, is just jumping right in and also just ending it, you know? So at the beginning, it doesn't need to be this really long, drawn out thing to get into the story. You can just start with any type of scene. And same with the ending. It doesn't need to be this really long, drawn out sort of ending. You can end it very shortly after your big event or one of your big events depending on how long your story is so these filler scenes are you know again filler in quotation marks these types of scenes are a really good way to um when you're when you're building out your chapter outline to kind of see how everything connects and to dive into some of the different character interactions and who these characters are Now, if you are feeling stuck with this part at all when you are building your story, then I encourage you to check out my free worksheet featuring writing prompts that will help you get to know your characters better. Once you know your characters better, you'll have a solid idea of the types of things they might say or do, which will help have a more seamless flow between events and then strengthen your story. So you can grab that worksheet in the bonuses section on the secret version of this podcast at saganmorrow.com slash secret podcast. Fifth, the fifth thing that you'll want to do is consider the pacing and timing. So this is something that you'll likely be thinking about at the beginning of coming up with your story idea, but now is a good time to assess it again. If everything builds up to one particular event, How late in the story does that happen? Being Good has a much longer rollout after the big event compared to other books in the series, which is is in part because it includes a secondary big event that takes place at the very end. 
So previous books in the series were a little bit shorter and therefore those books really focused on that one key event, that one central event. In some ways, this story isn't as fast-paced as the previous books, but it's not necessarily good or bad to either have a slow buildup or a fast pace. It's just different, and this will likely depend on how long your book is. Regardless, you will want to take the timing of events and the pacing between events into consideration. How will you keep the story moving forward? What will you do to ensure the reader is engaged? This is something that young adult novels tend to excel at. I love the way that YA stories are in constant forward motion. As soon as one issue is resolved, a new conflict occurs almost immediately or sometimes in overlap. So if you want to see examples of that, um, that sort of continual forward motion and that really quick pacing of events to get inspired for your own work, then I definitely encourage you to read young adult novels to get a feel for it. Cassandra Clare does this particularly well in her Mortal Instruments series. When it comes to keeping the reader engaged in your story, as a general rule, I tend to think that if you are bored with writing a scene, your reader will probably be bored reading it. As you're writing your story, you might be curious about why a character says or does something in particular, and if your curiosity is piqued, your readers probably will be too. And the more that you explore those things that you are most interested in writing about, the more that will shine through in your work, which then makes that story much more compelling. I might be biased here, but in my experience, the best scenes I've written are the ones I enjoyed writing the most, and my weaker scenes are the ones that I didn't get as much enjoyment out of the writing of it. Now, if you are writing a scene and something about a character does pique your curiosity, you don't necessarily need to explore whatever it is immediately. In fact, you might want to draw something out over the course of multiple chapters or books. It's okay to tease your readers and yourself as the author, and it's a good idea to explore those curiosities to some extent, but you don't have to pursue a particular subplot immediately or expand it into a full-blown storyline. So that's something we can absolutely talk about in a future podcast episode if you'd like me to get a little bit deeper into that topic. Just let me know. Send me an email, hello at saganmorrow.com. Okay, so to recap, when it comes to your fiction book, the five tips for how to build your story include number one, start with a central idea. Number two, pull out possible events that can occur throughout the story. Number three, fill the gaps between those events. Number four, arrange the events in sequential order. And number five, consider pacing and timing. Okay, so that's what I do to build a story for my works of fiction. But what about nonfiction content? I've written and published several nonfiction books, with my most popular being The Business of Writing and Editing, Practical Tips and Templates for New Freelancers. That's actually the first book I ever published quite a few years back, and it took me a while to put that book together. Essentially, The Business of Writing and Editing is part memoir, part how-to book for freelancers, and it has some fantastic evergreen content, so even though I wrote it several years ago, it's still absolutely applicable to freelancers today. I'll drop the link in the show notes below, or you can learn more about it at saganmorrow.com books. 
All right, now how does an author go about building a story for a nonfiction piece, such as my book, The Business of Writing and Editing? Here are my top five tips for doing it. And I will just note that you can actually use these five tips, not just for a um, nonfiction book, but also for all, all different types of nonfiction content. So if you are a freelance writer, you have freelance clients like I do, where you write on their behalf and that kind of thing, you can um, apply these tips, you can kind of adjust them and apply them to all kinds of nonfiction writing. Okay, so here are the top, here are my top five tips. First, identify what your purpose is for writing this book or this piece of content. What do you hope to achieve with it? For the business of writing and editing, the purpose of that book was to make life easier for new freelancers who are just starting out. Second, what is the core message you want to send with the book or your content? In my case, with the business of writing and editing, my core message is that freelancing and working from home doesn't have to be an overwhelming or scary experience. Third, who is your audience? While many of the tips inside the business of writing and editing can be applied to a variety of different freelance industries, I really wanted to tailor it to writers and editors because that's where my experience lies. I also chose to write the book for brand new freelancers, and you will see that all of that information is right in the title and the subtitle of the book to make it super easy for readers to immediately identify whether or not this book is appropriate for them. (laughs) A little bit of a sidebar, it's kind of funny how often I do that with titles of all kinds. There really isn't ever any guesswork as to what my content includes. I mean, the title of this podcast is Indie Author Weekly. It's pretty clear that the podcast is released on a weekly basis and that it's about being an indie author. And the title of my romance novel series is Polyamorous Passions. Readers know straight away what the subject matter is as a result. You don't necessarily need to do this with your own titles. You do you. But I personally just prefer to opt on the side of clarity and straightforwardness. So that's kind of how I go about doing my titles. Okay, so the fourth tip I have for building a story with a nonfiction book is to connect the dots between all of these pieces. For example, now that you know who your audience is, what your core message is, and what the main purpose of your book is, you can now more easily pinpoint the best way to frame your book. In other words, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you can now figure out your angle. For example, with the business of writing and editing, I could see that the best way to convey my message and achieve my goals for this particular audience was to provide quick quick tips and step-by-step information in between anecdotal stories. I wanted to highlight how I used the tips and information provided in the book to my own situation as a freelancer so that readers could easily understand how it could be applied to their own businesses. Plus, when you have actual real-life stories tying everything together, it makes the tips that much more memorable and the reader more likely to to continue to be engaged with your content every step along the way. So that's how it became this half-memoir, half-how-to guide. Lastly, for building your nonfiction story, I recommend making a comprehensive list of all the different ideas you have that you would like to capture in your book. You can do this in a spreadsheet, a bullet list, a piece of poster paper, or any other way you like to mind map or brainstorm ideas. 
Doing this will enable you to then sort through all of your ideas, categorize them accordingly, and organize them in an order that makes sense. And that will basically turn into your table of contents. To recap, the five tips to build a story for your nonfiction book include number one, identify your purpose for this book. Number two, choose your core message. Number three, identify your target audience. Number four, connect the dots to figure out the right angle for your book. And number five, categorize and organize all of your ideas. So there you have it. Those are my suggestions for how to build a story for your book. And you will note that some of these tips for fiction books can be applied to nonfiction content and vice versa. Feel free to tailor the ideas here to your own unique situation. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Which of these tips resonates with you the most? What do you struggle with when building a story? Feel free to connect with me at Sagan Lives on Twitter and Instagram to chat about it. And you can send me a message on either of those platforms if you have requests for future episode topics too. The more you tell me what you would like to see more of on this podcast, the better that I can accommodate that. You can also submit your questions or topic ideas anonymously at saganmorrow.com question. Thank you to Paulina for submitting today's episode topic. If you enjoyed this episode, please take two minutes to share this podcast on social media and rate it on iTunes. Anytime you share it or leave a rating or review, it helps more listeners find the Indie Author Weekly podcast, so every bit counts. I really appreciate your support. As with all the episodes here on Indie Author Weekly, you can access complete episode transcripts, sample chapters of the books, and a few other bonuses and goodies on the secret version of this podcast at saganmorrow.com slash secret podcast. So hop over there to check it out. Thanks so much for tuning into the Indie Author Weekly podcast, and I will see you in the next episode.